And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. God's work of justifying sinners who trust His Son for their salvation is an eternity-rocking work of grace. And with His message is our pastor, Robert Elliott. This means that Holy God is just and fair when he declares righteous all who place their complete trust in Christ to be their sin bearer, their substitute sacrifice. God is both just to his character and fair because your sins have been punished on Jesus. None of your sins are left unpunished. Jesus bore the punishment for your sins. God didn't wink at sin. He poured his wrath onto his son, and the Palestinian midday sunlight went dark. The curtain in the Jews' temple was ripped from top to bottom. The graves of believers in Jerusalem shook, and they resurrected to life. That's how big a deal Christ's death on the cross is. Again, if you've never run to that sacrifice in faith, there's no hope for you until you do. Our text's last two points on justification are these. Justification, what is its activator? What is its activator? Its activator is faith in Jesus. Go with me to 3.26 to see that faith is the activator of justification. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Faith in and of itself is worthless. Faith is only as valuable as the object upon which it rests. When I go scuba diving, if the tank is empty and I have faith in it, you can put on my tombstone, he died in faith believing in his tank. <laughs> faith is only as good as the object upon which it rests. And will you notice the only one that's a worthwhile person to rest your faith on is Jesus. The justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. If I marked my Bible, and I do, I would underline faith in Jesus. The activator of justification is faith. Skip down to verse 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith. There it is again. Apart from the works of the law. Go back to chapter 1, 16 and 17, please. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, that is the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Then if we were to take time to go to John 3, Jesus' great interchange with the seminary professor Nicodemus. If you looked at verses 3 to 7 of John chapter 3, you'd see Jesus Christ stress faith. He must be born again. Fifth and last in the text, justification. What are its implications? Is this just theory? Is this just a theology lecture? Is this something that you just forget about when you go through those back doors? No. What are the implications of justification? Number one, Boasting is prevented. 
27 to 28. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. There it is again. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith, there it is again, apart from the works of law. If you get a handle on what it means to be acquitted of God, declared innocent because of the propitiation of Jesus Christ on the cross, you will not be a boastful person. You will not look down your spiritual nose at the person you meet this week who's not yet a Christian and maybe has an alcohol problem or an adultery problem or a theft problem. You cannot understand justification and be a boastful Christian. Second implication Not only is boasting prevented, but secondly, God is consistent. All those who are justified will be justified in the same way, by faith. By faith in Christ. It's beautiful. This is magnificent. God is the God both of the Gentiles and of the Jews. And this great God is the justifier of both believing Gentiles and Jews. No partiality whatsoever. God will consistently, predictably, surely justify any and all who will take refuge by faith in the person and in the work of Christ. One simply cannot miss the activator of God's justification being faith, 29 to 30? Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised, the Jews, by faith, and the uncircumcised, that's Gentiles, through faith, is one. The last thing I want you to see as an implication of justification in the text is in verse 31, and it's this, the law is confirmed. The law is confirmed. Verse 31, please. Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. The strongest negative in Greek, may it never be. Last time I said this could be translated, are you crazy? Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Uh, I've said the law is confirmed by justification. Let me explain. The law is confirmed and upheld in that the law's role was to point out our sin. 3.20. Because... By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. You know what? No one by the works of the law will be justified because no one can keep 100% of the law 100% of the time. When you meet someone you share Christ with and they say, my religion is the Ten Commandments, then just smile and say, how many of them do you keep? How often do you keep them? If they're honest. They'll have to admit they've broken God's law. And God's law is confirmed and established by justification because the role of the law was not to justify. The role of the law was to point out our sin. Verse 20 again. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. That means the law is a 
mirror and not a comb. The law is an alarm and not a fire extinguisher. The law is a tutor and not a university degree. The law is an MRI, not a needed surgery. The law points us to our extreme need of a savior from sin. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and I serve as the youth pastor here at Calvary Bible Church. And today we want to pick up on our series on Stronger and how we've been going through these different trials. And last week as we talked, we talked about how we need a community. And today we want to look at God's Word in Romans chapter 12. This would be what the Christian life is all about and how we need each other and how when we go through trials and tribulation and suffering, it's not if, it's when we're going to go through them. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. It says this, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another with deeply as brothers and sisters. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. I want to stop there. As we've been talking about and we've been looking at suffering and, and all these problems, these, these different trials we've been going through, it says rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction. Or we can say be patient in suffering. But it doesn't stop there. It says be persistent in prayer, realizing that you need to turn over to God. You need to t- talk to Him. Give it over to Him. Again, as we talked about last week, don't let the circumstances Come into your life and, and let that be about everything you're about and allow them to overtake your life. But let God take over your circumstances. The Bible says, cast your burdens on him for he cares for you. And it doesn't say just cast some of them, cast them all because he wants them and he's there with you. Verse 14 is a hard verse for all of us as we think of Romans chapter 12. It says this, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Wow. Again, as we think of this verse and we think of how we need other people, it says, bless those who persecute you. And that's definitely what the world will tell you. The world will tell you, if somebody does anything to you, you get them back. Revenge. But no, it says, bless those who persecute you. In fact, other times the scripture says, pray for those who persecute you. That I pray for my enemy. I pray for those who are coming to my life and cause harm. We need to pray Bless those who persecute and do not curse them. Verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. As we consider a community, there are times to rejoice. There's time to come along each other and rejoice and, and be glad and, and, and just, you know, have a good time. But on the other side, it's time to weep. It's time to come alongside those brothers and sisters or or our friends in school and say, Hey, you know, they've lost somebody. They're going through a tough time. And you just cry with them. You're just there with them. You're there for them and you show them that. Verse 16 says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Again, to live in harmony, we have to put away our own agenda. And we need to put the agenda of Christ. Show the love of Christ. We need to be humble, not proud. When we consider that, that we are to be humble, What great example to look at Jesus Christ. 
Because Jesus went through, he came to this earth, he died, lived a perfect life. People didn't like him. They spit on him. They ridiculed him. They hated him. Hated him to put him on a cross. All part of God's perfect plan. But as we think about it, put him on a cross. He did nothing wrong for our sin. What greater example of humility than that? And there's none. Verse 17 says, Do not repay evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. Again, as you pursue Christ, you want to do what's honorable in the eyes of God. And if this is, the, this is how we are to do that. Verse 18 said, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You see, we need to understand that not everyone's going to like us. If we take a stand for Christ, not everyone's going to you know, want to have a relationship with us. But we have to do everything in our power to live at peace, to be a friend, to come alongside of people. Again, there may be people in your life who don't like you. And for various reasons, whatever it may be, and you may say to yourself, I've done nothing wrong to them. That doesn't mean that you don't try your best to live at peace with them. In fact, sometimes we should go out of our way to live at peace with them because when they see that, they will say, well, why does this person like me? Why is this person doing all this stuff? Because I really can't stand this person. You see, too many times in life, we think to ourselves and, and, and we give Christ a bad name because when someone doesn't like us, we don't want a relationship with them. We don't want nothing to do with them. But this is saying, if possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other person, you live at peace with everyone. Verse 19 says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me and I will repay, says the Lord. Again, let God deal with it. Let God deal with the situation that we looked at earlier with persecution and all of that. Let's just, just leave it to God. God will deal with it. And so because God will deal with it, we can have hope and faith to know that, hey, I'm just going to leave it in his hands. He knows what's best for my life. He knows what's going to happen. Verse 20 says, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you'll be reap, heaping fiery coals on his head. Wow. What a, what a thought to think about. A thought that we are, again, as we've been talking about, to love our enemy. If we see our enemy hungry, to give him something to eat. You see him thirsty, give him something to drink. Can you imagine that, you know, you're on the basketball court one day playing basketball with a group of guys and, you know, everyone's thirsty. It's a hot day and, you know, everyone knows that you and this guy doesn't really get along that well and, you know, you have some beef and he comes over and he's, you know, thirsty. You know, he's, look like he's ready to pass out and, you know, you're there, you got two Gatorades there and everyone knows you don't like him or he doesn't like you. And you say, you know what? I'm going to walk over there and give him this Gatorade. And again, we don't want to just make a scene because we want people to see it. But here it is. We show the love of Christ. Even the people that don't like us. People who may talk about us. Who may run us down. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. He loved us when we wanted nothing to do with him. But he even died on the cross and wanted a relationship with us. And verse 21 says, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Again, as we close, as we think about this, 
Do not conquer, be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Imagine someone who insults you, who puts you down, but yet you go out of your way and you show them the love of Christ. It's going to make them mad and upset, but we are showing the love of Christ. You see, when we understand these truths, as we consider this being what the Christian life and how a Christian should live, we show the love of Christ to other people. You see, when life goes wrong, God gives us each other. And we must surround ourselves with people who are going to encourage us, who are going to hold us to these standards, and who's going to help us to live a life that's pleasing to God. So again, I challenge you, as we continued in this series and we looked at going through these tough times, where are you turning? Are you surrounding your people that are going to encourage you? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are going to just continue to put some more gas on your fire? to make you more furious and mad at other people? Or are you going to have someone that's going to hold you accountable to be more like Christ? And now, today's Ministry Spotlight. Well, good morning. I'm pleased this morning to have my brother Harcourt McCoy in the studio. Good morning, brother. Good morning, Pastor Rob. Thanks for having me, man. My pleasure. Uh, Harcourt, where did you grow up? I grew up in an area on uh, Harold Road, which is now called Tonic Williams Darling Highway, but my immediate neighborhood was the surrounding areas of Yellow Elder. Very good. So you're a New Providence uh, native. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> That's definitely. good. What kind of work are you in now, Harcourt? I'm an educator by profession. I'm an administrator at uh, one of our major high schools, Anatole Rogers. I'm the vice principal responsible for the senior school, and I'm um, also responsible for senior boys basketball at the school. Wonderful. Listeners, you can't see my brother, but he's got a nice big build. If I needed a vice principal, uh, he'd be my man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You said you're a basketball coach. And I was just wondering if you would see any parallels between sports and the Christian life. Definitely. In sports, it doesn't matter really which sport you're trying to be successful at, but there are some things that you have to be as a coach and as a player. When you're talking about being a player, it may seem like talent might be the most salient thing that you might need, but the first thing you may need to be is coachable. Mm, Teachable. Uh, Coachable, teachable. There's a certain level of humbleness, meekness that you would need. And you have to have an open mind, Mm. you know, to being shaped, you know, being able to take good criticism from persons who you may have respect for um, to become successful. And I see similarities in the Christian life because as Christians, we're called to be humble. Yes. We're called to be able to listen, to hear the voice of Christ within us, but also being able to have persons who share the walk with us, be able to say to us things that may be able to help us to help ourselves first and also be able to help others. That's great. Those are a lot of good lessons that sports uh, parallels our Christian faith. I appreciate that. You work with youth as an administrator, as a basketball coach and a vice principal. And uh, this is a challenging time in our country. I just wonder if there are any 
issues that are uh, evident to you in our youth that really Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer for those issues? Wow, that is like a loaded question, but Mm -hmm. there are several aspects of that that I would like to expound on, especially um, young men in particular. Mm Mm-hmm with all the many different distractions and things that are going on, one of the biggest things about helping them to realize that they can be successful or anything that they want to be, sports being just one of the paragraphs in life, Mm -hmm. how are we to get these guys to be successful people? And I think one of the things that they need more than anything else is to, to remember or to understand that regardless of where you come from, where your starting point was, you know, what your parental situation is, where you live, what you go through daily, they have to find out that God loves you. Mm -hmm. You are guaranteed a relationship with God because his son died on the cross for you. And that means that you are entitled to a relationship with him. It doesn't matter what you've done. In my um, opportunities in dealing with young men and and coaching basketball and teaching, one of the things that we've always tried to instill in them is putting God first, you know, family next, um, education, and always trying to think about where I am now and where it is you want to go in the future. But going back to my first point, the relationship. Yes. You know, some people think that, you know, I have to have nice clothes to come to church. Mm-hmm. And um, if I don't have nice clothes or I, I, I should be a part of a church that dress up every day and come to church. But the biggest issue is getting them to understand, even if they don't come to church, just to have a prayer life, to have a confidence, someone who they can talk to in the quietness of their own heart. Yes. You know, I, I can talk to God about anything. Mm-hmm. Some of our young men find their confidence or their relationships more strongly with their friends and their neighborhood pairs. When they're fearful or when they have challenges in their life, it's some of the reasons why we have crime. It's some of the reasons why we have gang violence, Mm -hmm. because they don't see a relationship with God being something that will help them to be able to manage all the many things, bullying, peer pressure, drugs, sex, all kinds of things, rather than, you know, having a conversation with Christ every day. And the the journey for perfect home in terms of parents is is like the vain trip because there are very few people in my encounters in sports who have both parents at home, um, both parents working and supporting their family, an environment where there is an opportunity where their parents don't send them to church, but bring them to church, Right, have investigated whether or not they have given their life to Christ or whether they pray daily or have a, a life with a Bible mm-hmm. and, and have taken time to say, well, listen, You know, when you are going through something, these are some verses you should read or pray or or, or spend time meditating on. Excellent. So it it, it causes us to really fill that void as teachers and as coaches. And sometimes we don't pay it enough attention. Mm -hmm. But the time that we do, it is definitely more better served than not having it at all. 
Thank you so much. That's a encouraging answer. I think our listeners can take great encouragement that there are committed uh, born-again Christians like Harcourt in the uh, public and private school systems that are teaching more than mathematics and geography. They're, they're teaching character. They're teaching faith. And I'm so grateful to know that. I know our listeners are as well. This has been so good, Harcourt. I just wonder, is anything else that you think you would like to say to our listeners uh, this morning? I'm in the field of education, and what one of the things that we really value is the tripod effect of nurturing and trying to create citizens that will carry the country forward. Their knowledge is just not at, at, at school, but at home they should be taught at school, obviously, and then at church. Hmm. With those three elements affecting each and every one of these children that we come into contact with, there should be some kind of shaping. Sadly, a lot of our young men and young ladies don't go to church. They don't have a Sunday school experience a lot of times. But you would be surprised how many um, young people don't have an experience or a firm grasp on how two young men should relate to each other, mm-hmm. how a young man should relate to a female, mm-hmm. how two females should relate to each other, mm-hmm. how females should relate to a maternal adult yes. or a patriarch adult. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they speak, the way that the world demands that they engage adults. And so uh, a lot of times we are trying to get them to understand the language, but not only the language of the community, but the language of Christianity and the the language of how to be blessed in their life by having Christ as their source, by having an understanding that they can have everything in life that is good, uh, an appreciation for it by spending more time having a a relationship, a communication with God Mm -hmm. um, daily. You know, uh, some people say, you know, Muslims pray this amount of times a day. But, you know, I tell my kids, if you pray in the morning when you get up and you pray when you go to bed, you pray three times a day for your meals, you end up paying five times a day. Yeah. And that's outside of when something goes wrong in your life. And so I encourage uh, my basketball players, my own children to, you know, I'm, I'm their parent. I'm their coach. But at the same time. There's someone who is greater than me. And I think one of the biggest mistakes we try to make as coaches and as teachers and as adults is that we don't tell the kids that we were the kind of people who made mistakes too. Right. In the environment that I grew up in, yes, we played a lot of sports, but there was all the negative things growing up in those communities. And we went through seeing how when people follow different tracks where they ended up in life. Yes. And, uh, you know, the only thing I think that saved me was encountering some people who were on the track that understood that if God is present in your life, if you make sound choices and try to follow the right path, it it, kind of works itself out. I've met people who were very much more brighter than me, Mm -hmm. very much more financially sorted out than me. Mm -hmm. But their lives took on different roads. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the good Lord about it. But the truth of the matter is, I think he has a plan for everybody. Yes, he does. And if 
we can just find a way to navigate through all the other things that life will throw us. Maybe we become in touch with the potential or the purpose that we actually here for. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy road. Lots of times we have situations where we're trying to get the best out of these children and, and these these young men, especially in my case. And we don't always hit the mark. Some of them we lose. It's my humble prayer that we continue to to save more than we lose. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank you for that. I know that's straight from your heart, and uh, that's very meaningful. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas And remember, everyone needs a savior.